helping men to live their Catholic faith boldly. This is Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Powerful and inspiring conversations with Catholic speakers and leaders about your family, your parish, your nation, your world, and what you, as a man of Christ, can do about it. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Men of Christ Radio. My name is Brian Farley and I'm honored to serve as your host on this program. And we have, as always, an excellent program for you. This month we're going to be speaking with Brian Birch, who is president of Catholic Vote. CatholicVote.org is an organization you can access, a fantastic organization. They provide all kinds of educational resources that you can use to educate yourself, your family, your parish about the, the nexus between our Catholic faith and politics, the government here in America and how things are going. We're doing this program, especially here in October, because you may know we have a big election coming up in November, a rather challenging one for many of us who are Catholic to decide which person of the two, Hillary or Donald, we feel would make the best president. And there's unique challenges to this election, perhaps as never before. So we'll be talking about that with Mr. Birch of Catholic Vote and some of the issues around all of this that are probably the subject of conversations at your home even as we speak. So do keep listening. I wanted to give you a couple of updates about Men of Christ in general. Those of you not familiar with Men of Christ, well, hey, this is the place to be. We are an apostolate in the southeast Wisconsin area, but we've spread out all over Wisconsin and into northern Illinois and even beyond. We've had people coming in from Seattle and from Dallas, Texas area to check us out. There's other men's apostolates similar to our own uh, popping up all over the country, and that's great. That's the whole idea. So what do we do? Well, we evangelize, catechize, and unify men to help them live their Catholic faith more boldly. That's our, our elevator speech. That's our mission. And we do that primarily through a conference that we have once a year in the spring, this year, it's going to be happening April 1st, 2017, at the Milwaukee Theater, lovely downtown Milwaukee. And our guests, speakers this year are Dr. Scott Hahn, Jason Everett from the Chastity Project, and Jesse Romero. So these are three, I would say, pretty big names, and we're very excited to have them, very privileged to have them. Again, that's our main conference. That's going to be April 1st. And what we do at the conferences, well, we have speakers like those. We have mass. We have confession, which is awesome. Guys in line for hundreds of guys in line for confession, some of whom haven't gone in 25 years, some of whom apparently have actually told priests they only go to confession at the Men of Christ conference, which sounds strange perhaps, but there's something to that peer support. Oh, it's okay. I can... I can go to confession here. We strongly encourage you to go to confession at your parish and as often as possible. But the benefit of a Men of Christ conference and conferences like this is that it, it draws in men, who many of whom are on the perimeters of the faith. They're kind of concerned. They're not that involved, but they feel like they should be. They feel like there's something here. There's something more here. Come to the conference. You'll see what that something more is. Our goal and our job, really, we feel, to, to, to bring you in, to welcome you in, to show you the power of your Catholic faith 
properly understood and, and faithfully practiced. So we encourage everyone to take advantage of that and come to the conference. Our website is menofchrist.net, and soon you'll find information about the upcoming conference. You can see a lot of information about past conferences, including pictures and all sorts of resources that can help you on your particular faith journey. So please do avail yourself of that. Also, an event we have coming up is called Aiming for Christ, and it's, it it does involve guns, so it's, it's sort of a, a humorous title, but it's a very effective one. Aiming for Christ, it's our fourth annual. It's going to be happening October 23rd at Milford Hills Gun Club in Johnson Creek, Wisconsin. And you can find information about that. If you just Google Aiming for Christ, it should come up. Men and boys of all ages are welcome, and uh, you can come there. We'll have Mass. Archbishop Listecki, the Archbishop of the uh, Archdiocese of Milwaukee, will be saying Mass and hanging out with the guys. He loves it. He thinks it's a great event. And you go there, and you pray, and you, you go to Mass, and then you shoot guns at this great gun club. It's a lot of fun, a great event, great bonding with the guys, with your sons, and an overall excellent experience. So do look for information on that. It's on our Men of Christ Facebook page. So if you Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. And there, in our events section, there's information about Aiming for Christ at Milford Hills on October 23rd. So look for that. Good, good stuff. And we've got other events going on as well. We're busy. Oi, we're busy. So, today, talking to Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote. Why? Well, again, yes, we have the presidential election coming up in November, but there are a lot of issues around this election in particular, I think every election, but it gets contentious. Early in September of this year, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights issued a statement, and I just found out about this from a Michael Vore's Vortex, and really is a very scary statement. One of the quotes pulled from it is this, throughout history, religious doctrines accepted at one time later became viewed as discriminatory with religions changing accordingly. This echoes a statement previously made by someone who said religious beliefs and structural biases must be changed. This is somebody who may be in governmental power before long. Another statement from the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights statement is, even a widely accepted doctrine such as the ministerial exemption should be subject to review. What that means is priests, ministers, whatever denomination you're in, your preacher might have to be, in a sense, licensed by the government in order to preach acceptable doctrine, doctrine that is acceptable not to your particular denomination or the church, but to the government. And primarily what prompted this was the fear that ministers would be speaking out against gender ideology, which, of course, the Catholic Church considers intrinsically sinful, gravely evil, the practice thereof. But to say something like that may eventually be literally criminalized even within churches. This is just one of many threats to our religious freedom that are pending these days, and depending how things progress, this all might get much worse. Catholic Vote put out a booklet, which can be downloaded and distributed to your parishes, however you like, or I think you can purchase it as well. I'm cheap. I downloaded it. But it's excellent as well as terrifying. It's called Catholic or Criminal, Eight Real Threats to Your Religious Freedom. I'll just quickly go over some of these things here just to really ruin your, your day. But it talks about actual 
situations and scenarios that are taking place, many of which you've probably heard about, but when you hear them all put together like this, it's really rather chilling and kind of mind-boggling that this is our United States we're talking about. First one they mention is the Obamacare contraception and abortifacient mandate. This law, the Affordable Care Act, requires that all Americans, including Catholics and pro-life Americans, to purchase health insurance that includes contraception and abortifacients. Those are drugs that cause abortions. That's a form of contraception. So now it's not an option to purchase insurance that provides these things. Now you you have to because they all have all insurances have to provide this. This was the impetus behind the whole Little Sisters of the Poor controversy you've heard about in the news. One of many, many battles along this issue. Another threat is the targeting of Catholic health care. This one I didn't know the details about, but apparently the ACLU has publicly called for a federal mandate forcing all Catholic hospitals to provide emergency reproductive reproductive health care, which you're probably aware is code word for abortion. They're going to want to force them to have to do this. They also want a systematic investigation by the federal government of Catholic hospitals and all necessary corrective action where violations are found. Again, violations being Catholic hospitals not honoring their definition of reproductive health. And lastly, they want changes in federal law to force Catholic hospitals to perform abortions. So just make it easy for them there. You you have to do it. This is just shocking. I mean, in in Catholic hospitals, this this is part of the very germ of of the church in, in in Western culture, you know, that that helped civilize Western culture and, and make it the greatest civilization in human history is Catholic hospitals. But they want to alter that fundamentally from the core, using the force of government to do it. Another assault is on Catholic schools. You probably heard about the controversy with Archbishop Salvador Cordeleon in San Francisco. He wanted his Catholic teachers to live their public and professional lives in a way that up- upheld Catholic teaching. But the state of California cracked down on him, and many lawmakers and then professionals came down very, very hard on the Archbishop and demanded that he stop this, this discriminatory and hateful demand of his staff. He's continued the fight, and he's had a great deal of support from around the country. God love them all. But the fact, again, that a Catholic bishop can't insist that his Catholic teachers and principals uphold Catholic teaching without getting national grief speaks loudly about the condition of our culture right now. Another situation in Washington, D.C., the city council passed a bill that requires Catholic University and other Catholic schools to recognize homosexual student clubs. Again, it's not up to the university anymore. This is where the government is telling the schools, you have to do this. There's a big distinction there. If they voluntarily do it, well, that's one issue. But if they're forced to do it, that's a much bigger issue. Another situation, Catholic moral teachings are quickly becoming criminalized. Spoke about that a little bit there with the... Commission on Civil Rights, but there's a rampant, rapid ramping up of government, federal, state, and local government. This is persecution of Christians and Christian moral teachings. In Oregon, of course, the Sweet Cakes uh, owner was forced to pay $135,000 in damages to a same-sex couple for declining to participate in their wedding. 
It's a very famous case. The Boy Scouts caved and were accused of hate crimes under civil rights. People call them civil rights and accused the Boy Scouts of hate crimes. So the Boy Scouts caved and now they've changed their policy to allow openly homosexual scoutmasters. The mayor of Houston, you may have heard about this one. Part of her campaign of intimidation against Christians, she issued subpoenas to Houston pastors demanding they turn over copies of their sermons. Fought back and I think they won. But again, unheard of. Certainly in my lifetime in this country, nobody does that. That's crazy. But now we are. Another woman's flower shop owner was sued in Benton County for declining to provide flowers to a homosexual couple who wanted to get married. She now faces the very real possibility of losing her business, her home, her savings, and other personal assets once a summary judgment is reached on that case. There's a $7,000 fine imposed on Jonathan and Elaine Huguenin. They were a photography business. That's it. They'd refused to provide photography services to a same-sex marriage couple and are being fined $7,000 for that. In Colorado, another cake shop owner is under pressure. Appease them. And in Atlanta, remember the Atlanta mayor, Kasim Reed, fired the Atlanta fire chief, Kevin Cochran, because Cochran wrote in a book for his men's Bible study about the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. And he was fired for that. The famous Brendan Ike situation at Mozilla. He was hounded out of the company because he contributed money to an organization that opposes same-sex marriage. This is the cultural pressure and now political pressure we're under on issues of, of marriage and human sexuality. And it's, it's spilling into our schools, too. Now, there's a kid's book, probably several, but one cited here is called I Am Jazz. And the premise of it is, quote, I have a girl brain, but a boy body, says a young child in this picture book. I am jazz. So if you see that in your child's book bag, time to write the principal. What are you doing? But there are more and more books uh, featuring transgenderism and transgender characters, gender ideology in children's literature. Again, what are we doing? The Department of Defense is has categorized Catholics as a terrorist threat. Did you know that? You're, you're a terrorist. Yes, in the Department of Defense book for the U.S. Army, their training presentation, they say that, quote, religious extremism is not limited to any single religion, ethnic group, or region of the world. It then listed Catholics and evangelical Protestants as potential terrorist threats who endanger America. The understanding is that we will go crazy in our obedience to Christ and start killing people, which happens, of course, all the time. Where they're getting this, nobody knows. It's, it's, it's literally insane. The IRS, not only attacking politically conservative organizations, but also attacking Catholic and Christian organizations, Catholic Vote being one of them. I wasn't aware of this, but they were targeted by the IRS and harassed and forced to do all sorts of auditing procedures to justify their existence, which takes time and money. And some of these organizations just gave up. They just turned around and said, forget it. We can't do this, especially the fledgling ones that were just trying to get off the ground in the first place. And then in the U.S. Army, yeah, the office of the chief of chaplains of the U.S. Army has now forbidden Catholic chaplains from reading in Sunday masses a letter opposing the Obamacare contraception and abortifacient mandate. This is, this is, again, the government saying you can't do this legitimate expression of your faith. And then lastly, this is going global. The United Nations issued a report that openly attacked the Catholic Church for her teachings on contraception, abortion, and homosexuality. So more and more, folks, as you see this stuff written off as a violation of civil rights, we're really going to have to get 
sharp on how we express Catholic teaching, how we defend Catholic teaching, and how we evangelize, tell people this is beauty, this is truth, this is for the good of all, even those with same-sex attraction. This, this is not discrimination, this is not hate, this is true mercy, this is true love. You might not like it at the time right now, but this is true love, true mercy, the truth. And we need to share that. We need to share it boldly. But it's going to become increasingly difficult. This is why we fear of coming persecution, because it's certainly culturally unacceptable. It may soon be politically unacceptable to simply express frank, honest, Catholic truth. So with that happy setup, I think we're going to take a little break here and get Mr. Brian Birch on the phone of Catholic Vote, and we'll have a interesting conversation with him about these issues and about the upcoming presidential election and any other issues that come up. So stick around on Men of Christ Radio, 88.5 FM, WSFI, Catholic Radio. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm David Delighton from the Center for Medical Progress with the Planned Parenthood videos. Catholic Radio is so important to the pro-life movement because it's our Catholic faith that teaches us about the true value and dignity of the human person and the inestimable worth of every single beautiful child of God. And that's a message that all of us need to hear and need to continue to pay attention to and be inspired by every day of our lives and work. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hi, Father Jim Curtin here, one of the hosts of our weekly radio show on healing. I'd like to invite you to our second annual Healing the Whole Person Conference on Friday, October 28th, and Saturday, October 29th, at Marytown in Libertyville. On the eve of Halloween, Kyle Clement, an exorcist trainer, will teach us how to free ourselves from the negative spiritual forces in our lives that cause our own abilities. Father Bob Sears will help us uproot the hurts in our family systems that bring pain and suffering. And I will teach you about healing and deliverance. If you register by October 1st, the cost for two days is $100. Priests, deacons, and religious attend for free. 
must register, call 224-789-8455 or go online at wsficatholicradio.org to save your place. Okay, we're back on Men of Christ Radio on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. And joining us now is Brian Birch, president of Catholic Votes. Mr. Birch, Brian, thank you very much for joining us. I imagine you guys are a little busy these days. Yes, I'm very glad to be here, and you're right, very busy. All political organizations are busy in election years, especially presidential election years, but I'm very thrilled to be with you guys and happy to uh, share with you what I can on the Catholic Vote. Excellent. Well, thank you. And I'm just wondering if real quickly you could just tell us a little bit about what Catholic Vote is and, and how you came into being. Sure. Catholic Vote is a online, primarily online source for activists, Catholic activists around the country to what we sometimes summarize as do for Catholic voters what the NRA does for gun owners. And that is organize, mobilize, educate, and work to collectively use the voices, the votes, the, the the influence of Catholics around the country in an organized way to leverage that, to see that our faith is respected and see that the social vision of the Catholic Church and its social teaching is is at the table of policy debates, of legal disputes, and of course, the more controversial part of it, at the ballot box. So we represent Catholic voters across the country, approximately half a million now members are uh, participants in our in our movement and we do again uh, what the NRA like the NRA does on gun issues we do on all issues catholic voters in our opinion deserve a seat at the table on virtually every issue some issues are more important than others but we we do believe that the 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 beautiful teachings of our church need to be brought to bear in the public square and we need voices like Catholics everywhere to making sure that stake is held. Great. Now, I, I'm curious, because I, I would come up with my own answer, but can you tell me, was there a precipitating event, or why did you guys feel the need to form this organization? Sure. I think that probably the larger impetus was the vision of John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, when he called for a new evangelization. And if you recall, what he called for was a new evangelization, new in methods and expression and ardor, is, is what he referenced in one of his encyclical. And I think we would all admit that the voices of Catholics have largely been disorganized and underrepresented in our political conversation. If you talk about the Catholic vote, for example, it frequently shows up in exit polls, but it's it's a diverse group of voters that is hard to, to capture or organize in any way. And I think one of the things the Church has said to us is that this is primarily the role of the laity. That means not our bishops and priests, as much as we want them to help guide and shepherd and teach, certainly teach what the Church teaches, and we need a lot more of that. But in terms of putting that into political action, that is something that is the responsibility of the laity. And so in answering that call, we said, how do you do this? How do groups like all special interest groups, as they're called, whether it's guns or gays or the environment or et cetera, they all have their representation in Washington. They have their lobbying arms. They, they mobilize and they demand change. Well, who represents the Catholics? And that's not going to be the bishops or the institutional church because that's not what the church was created by Jesus Christ to do. That doesn't mean that politics doesn't matter. And so we answered that call. We've done what we can. We've created a, a political apparatus that includes a lobbying arm, a, 
a super PAC, as some might understand that, and an and a educational arm, and we've combined those within one house of Catholic Lady, and we've built it up now, and as I suggested, half a million members, and we're growing every day. Now, do you guys get support from clergy or the bishops, or some support, some not support, or how does that work? Our support is entirely from our members, so if a priest or bishop happens to be a member, they could certainly support us in their personal capacity, but we receive no money whatsoever from, the, for example, the USCCB or a parish or a diocese or a church, etc. We're entirely funded by voluntary contributions from individuals across the country. Motivational support, or are they, are they in agreement with what you're doing or what you're trying to do? I suppose that varies, but... It does vary, but we absolutely have many friendly bishops and priests, for that matter, that we call on, and they certainly call on us. We like to think that bishops or priests in particular dioceses, as they need us, they can't necessarily tap a, you know, 500,000 people on an email list to, to come to their aid if a particular diocese needs us. And certainly in some cases, they've turned to us that said, you know, we're working on passing this legislation. There's this particular ballot initiative or there's this pro-life bill that we need help with. Can you guys come in and help? And just like any other advocacy group, we swoop in, bring our members in. If it means calls into offices, if it means protests, if it means organizing funding. A year and a half ago, we helped raise $50,000 overnight for Archbishop Corleone, who was being yeah. attacked for defending the, the right of Catholic schools to teach the faith. So there's all sorts of ways that we can help, and we consider ourselves partners of the Church, lay partners of the Church. That's fantastic. Good. Well, I didn't realize you were so mobile and so active in so many levels. That's really good to know and a powerful thing, definitely needed. Now, given that it's October here and we're looking at a presidential election, I just have to jump right to the obvious question. The landscape is an interesting one for everyone, but I think particularly for Catholics, we have Hillary Clinton, we have Donald Trump, What's the landscape look like right now as far as where, where the Catholic vote is, is headed at this point? Well, that's always a complicated and loaded question because, as I referenced earlier, the Catholic vote generally is difficult to pin down. True. Uh, in fact, the Catholic vote generally is largely indistinguishable from the American population at large. So there's no, there's no real differences between how Catholics vote in general versus how the larger electorate ends up voting, which is why Catholics generally vote with whoever is elected. Now, of course, additional research and work has been done to break down that generic Catholic vote into different categories. So you have categories such as mass attending Catholics, which to us is a significant indicator because it suggests that that voter takes their faith seriously. A Catholic who attends mass at least once a week votes very differently than a Catholic in general who calls themselves Catholic but may not ever attend Mass or maybe attends Mass once or twice a year. No judgment on that person's faith, but it is a judgment on their voting habits, and they're very different. They behave very differently. For example, Mitt Romney defeated Barack Obama by as many as 14 percentage points among Mass-attending Catholics, and yet Barack Obama it was a one-point difference when it comes to the Catholic vote in general. Now this year, of course, we're looking at that stat, and we're also looking at other ways that they break down the Catholic vote, particularly in states, when you talk about Trump v. Hillary, in states where the Catholic vote will be significant. And where the Catholic vote is especially significant when it comes to this electoral map and this electoral season is principally in what we call the Rust Belt, 
and the Rust Belt has a disproportionate number of Catholics as a part of those states' populations, and interestingly, a disproportionate number of white Catholics. And this is certainly not a, a, a race-induced analysis, but what it does tell you is that, and this is certainly true among Catholic voters in general, there is a difference between how Hispanic Catholics and how white Catholics vote. And because white Catholics make up such a large percentage of the electorate in these major swing states, states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, like states where many Catholic immigrants went, settled, and states where, frankly, a lot of the Hispanic migration hasn't necessarily grown as fast as it has in places like the Southwest or the Southeast, the white Catholic vote is very significant and, in our view, is going to play a decisive role in this election. Okay, so we have these candidates, given their stances on issues and their past histories and everything else, I don't know if it's a fair question, but is is Hillary a viable option for Catholics? Is Donald a viable option for Catholics? Or is not voting at all a viable option for, for Catholics, faithful Catholics mainly is what I'm talking about? Well, of course, even more loaded question now. This is the question we get every day. <laughs> Who should I vote for? Right. Can I vote for Can I vote for Trump? I'll, I'll answer it this way. In full disclosure, our organization is very hostile to Trump during the primary season. There were yep. 16 other alternatives, many of which we believed at the time were much better options for Catholic voters. Mm -hmm. Obviously, those options were all eliminated as a part of the Republican primary process. And now you have Donald Trump as the Republican nominee and Hillary Clinton as the Democratic nominee. I think any reasonable application of Catholic social teaching should disqualify Hillary Clinton from receiving a Catholic vote. She is on record as unquestionably the most radical pro-abortion candidate that has ever been at the top of of a of one of our party's tickets. I mean, you had her husband in the 1990s advocating uh, abortion be safe, legal, and rare, and she's out there today saying not only should it be uh, legal, it should be legal during all nine months of pregnancy for whatever reason, and, and this is significant, and taxpayers should be obligated to pay for it. So she's in favor of repealing what's called the Hyde Amendment, which is a rider on appropriations bills in our Congress to protect taxpayers from directly funding. That means the money that comes out of our paychecks from going directly to the killing of unborn children. That appropriations rider has been in place for over two decades, and she's in favor of taking that away and putting Catholic taxpayers directly in the office of abortion clinics and paying for the procedures that that we detest. Now, of course, so why does this matter? The church has a set of foundational issues from all of its documents, including our own bishops, that they have written to help guide our thinking when it comes to candidates and elections. And in those documents, they've been very clear that they are a set of non-negotiable or foundational issues that are, again, not negotiable for Catholic voters. They involve intrinsic evils. That means they are wrong in every circumstance. There is no case or circumstance in which abortion can be permitted or or allowed. There is no case in which marriage, for example, can be understood other than something that it is, the union of a man and woman. This goes to the fundamental right of religious liberty. It goes to the fundamental right of parents to raise and educate their children. Of course, uh, a set of other issues, but those are some of the most, most significant on those issues, and on every single one of those issues, Hillary Clinton stands in stark contrast to the vision of our church. So in our view, Hillary Clinton is certainly not a candidate that any Catholic voter could vote for in good conscience. Now you have All a right. candidate on the other side. Go ahead. 
No, no, please go ahead. I, I was going to change direction, so keep going. Well, of course, the more difficult question in some ways is now what to do with Donald Trump, and this is a question that we wrestle with inside our organization. Yes. I think the Church gives us some guidance on this, too, and certainly the most recent document from our bishops is called Faithful Citizenship, and I'd encourage everyone to go read that document. And what it says is when you have two candidates that are flawed in many ways, our job is to apply Catholic teaching as best as we can to quote-unquote limit the harm. And so I do think a Catholic in, in good conscience could vote for Donald Trump. Now, of course, he's made pro-life commitments. He recently pledged to sign religious liberty bills that would protect the uh, Little Sisters of the Poor. He's made some firm commitments on Supreme Court appointments, which many people recognize is probably the most significant impact of this election, the future of the Supreme Court. So in that way, I understand there are certainly problematic elements of Donald Trump, but I do think from a moral standpoint, Catholics in good conscience can vote for him. Now, what I was going to ask you is what you've just said, the intrinsic evil of abortion and, and of gay marriage. There are many Catholics or who call themselves Catholics who would say, well, illegal abortion is just one part of the whole pro-life formula, but we need to look at life after the birth, the quality of life, and it's, it's more of the social justice argument. We need to also ensure economic justice and racial justice and, and social justice for these people. And so to merely be against abortion is just looking at one sliver. And, and this argument has been used often to kind of minimize the, the, the traditional pro-life point of view. I'm sure you guys encounter that. I don't know. How do you, how do you, how do you argue with that? Or how do you, how do you counter that? Sure. Well, I think the one thing we have to do, and sometimes it's a trick, is to affirm at some level what the other side is doing. And what we say is, you are absolutely right in saying that the life issue in terms of the legality of abortion itself is in fact foundational. That does not mean in any way that other issues are not important. However, again, as the Church has taught us, there is in the nature of the issue itself a fundamental difference. For example, if we're going to talk about the life of a child once born and what falls under what might be called social justice, whether it's minimum wage or whether it's, uh, it's maternity leave or all these things that no doubt in many ways do impact the choice that many women have in terms of whether or not to have an abortion or not, they do not, by their very nature, involve intrinsic evils. For example, whether the minimum wage should be $15 or whether it should be $10 or whether maternity leave policy should allow a woman two months or six months. Those things are up for negotiation and Catholics in good conscience can disagree. Where we cannot disagree, however, is on the, the fundamental question of whether or not that child has a right to life to begin with. And so, yes, all issues matter, but they are not all the same. Some issues flow from others, and some issues, frankly, Catholics can disagree on. Excellent. All right, good. Thank you. This is helping me in a lot of my own personal arguments, so it's, <laughs> I appreciate the, the guidance here. What we're going to do is take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back. I've got some more loaded questions for you, Brian, so <laughs> something to look forward to. But folks, stick around on Men of Christ Radio. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back.
the Rosary Evangelization Apostolate and WSFI Catholic Radio invite you to an historic year of mercy celebration on Friday, October 7th with Archbishop Jerome Lestecki of Milwaukee. The Mary, Mother of Mercy celebration with an historic visit of the International Pilgrim Virgin of Our Lady of Fatima statue to Milwaukee as she travels on a two-year journey across America. This will be hosted at St. Veronica Church in Milwaukee. It begins at 6.45 in the evening with a presentation on the Pilgrim Virgin statue followed by Holy Mass with Archbishop Lestecki. This will include an historic act of entrustment of the faithful of Wisconsin to Mary, Mother of Mercy, proclaimed by Archbishop Lestecki in union with the other bishops of Wisconsin. Bring your entire family and invite your friends. You can visit our website for all the information, www.rosaryea.org. Hope to see you there on Friday night, October 7 at 645 in the evening at St. Veronica Church in Milwaukee. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI local programming on demand? Full episodes of Pro-Life Today, WSFI Spotlight, Healing the Whole Person, Bursting Forth in Sound, along with our novenas, prayers, and devotions are available on your mobile device or online. For iPhone and iPad users, open the already installed podcast app and search for WSFI. Then click subscribe. Android users need to visit the Google Play Store Download the Stitcher app, create a free account, then search for WSFI. Add us to your favorites playlist by clicking the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The full archive of local shows is also available at WSFIRadio.org. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. We're back on Men of Christ Radio. I'm Brian Farley, and we're talking to Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote. And it's a very timely topic this time of year, this sort of year, presidential election. Brian, going back a little bit to something we were talking about before the break, a lot of guys, myself included, find ourselves in conversations, maybe call them arguments, with people about the the political climate. And when you try and talk about political issues from a theological point of view, it gets sticky. And I'll often find with more, say, liberally-minded Catholics, you bring up certain issues and they'll 
kind of write you off as, well, you're just being a partisan, you're just being political. That seems arbitrarily applied. It is arbitrarily applied. Certain topics are allowed to be discussed. Certain topics are not allowed to be discussed in their minds. But you guys are in the midst of that, obviously. You've, you've in, in this election, you've put out these six reasons Catholics can't trust Hillary Clinton. You're, you're very clear on your stance and your reasons. But I guess for guys who find themselves in these situations, do you have ideas on how you can address that that accusation of, well, you're just a partisan hack, you're just one of those right-wing nut jobs, when you're trying to say, no, this is actually Catholic teaching? Well, I think your question is one that all of us are facing, and particularly in the political year, whether you're Catholic or not, and especially in this election where you have allegiances and tradition and family and all the things that go with that, not to mention those of us who take our faith seriously and want to see it applied in the, in the public square. I think one of the most important things is to understand the, the job of we have as Catholics in terms of persuading our fellow citizens to vote a certain way is in many respects subordinate to and an extension of our job to, of evangelization in a bigger way. Right. And that is, yes, we want to win elections. Yes, we want to see certain goods and the vision of our church applied in, in the context of our law and policy. But what we're really after in the end is to carry the gospel, which is obviously what the social teachings of our church are all about, carry the gospel to, to the ends of the earth and to obviously all those around us so that they too might enjoy happiness in heaven with us. And all that said is that at, the, at a fundamental level, whether it's politics or obviously evangelization more broadly, the most important and the most effective way to do that is beginning first with friendship, is to establish relationships, build a base from which someone can trust you, listen to you. I, I think we often begin with a false assumption that within five minutes we're going to change someone's mind. I find that one of the lessons I have is when I find myself in these tense circumstances is if I can remember, and often I don't, but when I can, to pause quickly and pray to that person's guardian angel that they might be willing to listen in a genuine way to what I have to say, and also pray to my own guardian angel that I, and to the Holy Spirit, that I might speak the right words at the right time in the right way, and then recognize that at the end of the day, it's very unlikely that they're going to change their mind, that they're going to all of a sudden say, you're absolutely right, everything I believe, I now think differently, I'm going to now go vote this particular way, but that it might be the basis of... A, a series of conversations and a series uh, of encounters that over time might bring them more to our point of view. And finally, I would say is leave room for the Holy Spirit. As they used to tell me in grade school, high school dances, that the Holy Spirit is at work here, always at work here. And the fact that you're having the conversation with the person to begin with means God put you in this circumstance and put them in this place in this particular time, because this is something that's on there in your mind, and there's a reason for it. And, and we have to have more trust that the Holy Spirit is doing his or his job and is on his time, not on ours. 
Well, that's that's good and very important. And I, I I find it's encouraging that an organization like yours and and saying what you just said can can thrive and I think grow in a situation where Catholic teaching is becoming increasingly countercultural. The fear is that then you will just be marginalized. And again, I've, I've seen it as a tactic where you're just marginalized because they just write an individual off as a, as a political hack rather than as somebody who's sincerely trying to express Catholic teaching as it applies to certain political situations. So it's, it's, it, it can be done. And I, your prayerful approach is excellent advice because that also probably tends to calm us down when we get in these situations. I can sometimes get a little emotional about it. So that doesn't serve the situation very well. Now we'll often hear, I remember uh, Joe Biden doing it in a debate a while ago. Yes, yes, I'm Catholic, but I don't believe in forcing my morality on others. Even my own pastor is of that mind. Like, well, this is the political has no place in the church, and the church has no place in the political. To me, both are just irresponsible cop-outs. But what would you say to 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 that sort of Biden approach of I don't want to force my morality on others? Well, again, to the previous question you had, it depends on the context in which it's being discussed. But if you're going to argue the at the it is simply at a political level, that position is incoherent. It's illogical and it's hypocritical. And the reason for that is this. People like Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or others who espoused it publicly or hold themselves out publicly as Catholics have no problem imposing their morality when it comes to their preference in tax law or their preference in minimum wage or their preference for single-payer health care, all sorts of other issues. They're exceptionally moral, exceptionally moralistic, and have no problem saying that they believe this is the right thing to do and that we need to impose this set of laws or policies on other people. So the, the notion that somehow because something they believe can't be imposed on others is simply nonsense because they do it all the time on every other issue. And what they're doing is being highly selective and cloaking a position that is difficult for them to defend, particularly when they're in in conflict with their own faith, their own church, with Pope Francis and someone that they champion, Pope Francis himself. And they are placing power, prestige above the truth. And I think our, our job is to, is to encourage, to pray, encourage, and to, to call this out for what it is. And it is a public lie, and it is a scandal. And it leads others astray, and it leads other people to believing the same types of untruths and, and confusion that, frankly, lead people away from the church. The church is looking, particularly in organizations like yours, for strong men willing to be courageous, to stand up for what we believe, and to say, no matter whether I win or lose an election, I will not deny my Lord, I will not deny my faith. That is what is attractive. That is what people are looking for. And yes, it's difficult, and sometimes there are consequences of that, but that's the faith we are called to. Amen. All right, very well said. Now, a lot of our guys have expressed, and I've run into some of this myself, in working with clergy or in the homilies. You'll hear homilies about immigration and 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 in income disparity and mass incarceration, these issues. But you won't hear about abortion or so-called gay marriage or the destruction of the family due to government policies. So again, it's sort of an arbitrary selection of what we will talk about, what we won't talk about. But when it's your priest. How do you should we approach them, and how do you approach them? Any advice along those lines? I imagine you guys have resources, but overall, how, how does one approach a situation like that? 
Well, the first lesson, again, the lesson of evangelization is don't let the first conversation you have with your parish priest be one about politics and elections. <laughs> there should be hopefully a history there where you heard a good homily or you made a contribution to the church and you you, you complimented your, your pastor on things that he's done. So build that relationship so that you don't end up having this difficult conversation in a political year. The second thing I would say is, and I've been in this position many times where you feel that kind of rush of, of nervousness to saying, I know I need to talk to him about this. I, I know this is going to be hard. It's going to be awkward. I don't know if I'm going to say the right things. So pause and say those prayers. But then secondly, get have that courage and have that conversation. But don't feel like you have to go into it with all the answers and all the arguments. I think you go into it in some ways to try to lessen the tension and have them drop the guard down a little bit and to say, you know, Father, I'm confused. This is what our church says. This is what I believe. And please help me to understand why we're not doing this. Or I don't understand how we could not say this. Or how can we not lead our parish in a way that's consistent with what our church teaches, what the Holy Father is saying? And and, and certainly there will be certain rebuttals and things. But I think the final thing you would, I think I'd recommend is, uh, is give him a word of encouragement rather than simply critique. Say, Father, would really mean a lot to me, and I know a lot of us out here are, are, have your back, and we want you to, to be our leader. Lead us. Be our shepherd. Be the one that, you're, that the, the grace of, of, of your priesthood offers you. Show us the way. We, 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 want, we want this challenge, and, and to the extent that that priest or pastor is is open to that grace, I think many times they'll respond to encouragement rather than simply an attack. Good, good. All right. Now, a bit of a doomsday scenario here, if I can posit this, but you had talked about how among regular mass-going Catholics, the pro-life candidates usually are, are, are much more popular among them. They, 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 they would win if the mass-going Catholics were the... Were, they win the mass going Catholic vote. Now, stats seem to suggest that fewer and fewer Catholics are actually attending mass. We have a somewhat mass apostasy underway. Do you see that, therefore, more and more Catholics are going to simply just go with the flow, go with the culture, which tends seems to be going more and more with the say-anything candidate, the feel-good candidate? I should put this more articulately, but but is are things looking kind of bleak? No, I think I understand. Sure. Well, there's no question the church and in, in organized religion more broadly is having a difficult time in modern culture. You see these stats, the rise of the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, or people that right. now call themselves unaffiliated or people that no longer practice uh, any religion. And the church is no different. We have a difficult challenge ahead of us to hold those who still profess to be Catholic to the truth of the faith, but also to continue to be attractive and to win new converts to the faith. That doesn't mean the Church isn't, isn't adding new members, but it is more and more difficult. Translated politically, in some ways I think the rise of the nuns and the rise of the difficulties of organized religion in some ways provide some clarity. Before, and certainly we referenced Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, they can still call themselves Catholic and then hold themselves out as Catholic and then do what they do in conflict with the Church. More and more, increasingly, there's no advantage to, say, calling yourself a Catholic. You just call yourself an atheist or a nun or whatever it might be, and let the Catholics that still hold to that 
actually profess and act upon what they believe. So even though it's the more difficult and you're right, becoming less and less a what it was in the past, I think in, re, in some respects over time it will be more clarifying. Yeah, that's, I think Pope Benedict spoke to that saying that the, he sees a future church which will be much smaller than it is, but also more clear, more focused, more in, in, sincere, because only the faithful will be left. Everybody else will have, have gone off to do their own thing. So, all right, we only have a, a tiny bit of time here, so I wanted to give you a chance, Brian, to let us know what kind of resources you guys have. You're at catholicvote.org. What kind of things are on there that can help folks to spread the word and help the, help the mission here? Absolutely. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for, again for having me on the show. Many, many different resources on catholicvote.org. You can go there, sign up for our emails. We sign up for what's called the Loop, which is a daily email in the morning. It gives you the top five, six things that we think every Catholic politically-oriented person should, should know about. Uh, you can make sure you're registered to vote. You can sign up as a parish captain. You can download our app. Our app allows you to access your contacts inside your phone and send them reminders and messages about uh, registering to vote. And then we have all sorts of, of videos. Some of the things that we're more, most well known for are our videos. There's a lot more coming. We'll be releasing a number of things as we get as we head toward the election. These are things that we design in order to give people things that they can share that can help spark conversations like the ones we talked about earlier that we think are necessary, do so in a way that hopefully hopefully opens people's eyes or opens people's hearts in a way to, to want to have a conversation. And so all those things and much more, obviously, new articles every day, all sorts of things, the political season, there's no shortage. But definitely check it out, catholicvote.org. And if you're capable or in a position to help us out with a little contribution, contribution to keep it going. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is fantastic. So Catholic Vote folks, they, they organize, mobilize, educate people and, and unify the Catholic voice in, in the political realm. And that's critically important as we are battling for our culture on many, many levels and certainly the political level. So Brian, thanks to you and, and your whole organization and all that you do. And God bless you guys. And thanks very much for talking to us today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you guys and God bless. All right, folks. Well, I think that's going to just about do it for this episode of Men of Christ Radio. I do very much appreciate your tuning and listening. I hope you found that edifying and educating. I know I did. I'm fairly sure you did. Brian Birch and, and the work they do at Catholic Vote is indispensable. Really powerful and important stuff. These issues are huge and consequential and important. We're talking not only about the direction of our country, but really the kingdom of God and our role in it and what we can do to bring it about. So educate yourself. Go to catholicvote.org and there are other organizations. As he, Brian Birch mentioned, the faithful citizenship document put out by the, the USCCB, the Catholic bishops, that's helpful in making a decision. Many people are asking, well, can I just not vote at all? Like, well, I don't think that's really an option, but that document will give you good catechesis on to, as to why that probably is not the best option. Be educated. Educate yourself. Educate your family. Educate your friends, your coworkers, your parish. Be smart. Interesting that Brian mentioned how really the best way to approach this is not argument or shoving it down people's throats, as tempting as that might be at times, but to build friendship, really. It's just 
same old evangelization. It's not going to work if you're not friends with people, if they don't genuinely believe in, in, in you and in, in, in see in you something that they also want for themselves. So be friends. Speak the truth with love, as they say. It's, it's true. This is what Christ told us to do. So it's a form of evangelization, and evangelization done authentically is done with love through friendship. So please uh, educate yourselves, arm yourselves, and be ready to do what you need to do for this upcoming election. If you want to hear past episodes of Men of Christ Radio, and really why wouldn't you, they are uh, archived on the mighty WSFI website, and that is at wsficatholicradio.org. You just go in there and search Men of Christ you'll get there. The episodes are all there. We're up to six or seven episodes building our library, each one featuring a different guest talking about different issues. But we're, we're trying to expand our experience of excellent speakers talking about powerful and important issues of importance primarily to Catholic men, but certainly to all Catholics, really all people. And they speak about them in very inspirational and, and educational ways. So please do avail yourselves of that. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. I'd like to wrap up these episodes with a prayer to St. Michael. So if you'll join me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, thank you all very much. Hope you enjoyed listening. We'll be back soon. This is Men of Christ Radio. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Listen at 7 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday to WSFI Spotlight, a half-hour conversation with outstanding Catholics from our community and around the world. WSFI Spotlight re-airs on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. or listen on demand anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit wsfiradio.org for more information. It's WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Only on WSFI Catholic Radio, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. My name is Father Dominic Pelusi. I'm a member of the Priests of the Sacred Heart. I have been ordained for 41 years. St. Paul tells us, how shall they call on Jesus in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe unless they have heard of him? And how can they hear unless there is someone to preach? We have the opportunity for Catholic Radio to do exactly that, to bring the Word of God into our houses, but more importantly, into our hearts. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio invites you to their 5th Annual Fall Benefit and Fundraiser on Friday, November 4th at Mundelein Seminary, located at 1000 East Maple Avenue in Mundelein, Illinois. Doors open at 6 o'clock p.m. The event will feature a live and silent auction featuring fantastic seats to the Bears and Packers matchup at Soldier Field and dinner with keynote speaker His Excellency George Rassus, Auxiliary Bishop of Chicago. Tickets are $100 per person or $800 for a table of eight. To make a reservation, call 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit wsficatholicradio.org and click on Events. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live internet stream is available at wsfiradio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. 